Welcome to the Unmeasured Podcast. I'm your host, Simi Bodich. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Probably one of the most common topics to come up within our community, in my DMs, in response to emails, whatever it might be, is around perfectionism in parenting. And I know that this topic really resonates with me because as a parent and as someone who has done a lot of work around my relationship to myself and the coping mechanism of perfectionism, I thought that I was doing really well. And I was like, yeah, perfectionism like really isn't, you know, a challenge for me, a struggle for me anymore, really left that in the past. And then I became a parent and so much of that resurfaced at a new level, at a new depth. It was a whole new opportunity for healing for me as a parent around perfectionism. And today's conversation is going to be all about this. And I am so honored to have my wonderful friend, Shelly Robinson, here with us to talk about perfectionism in parenting. Shelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sammy. I am so glad to be here. And I love this topic. I love that we're going to talk about this today. I am so grateful. For anyone who does not know Shelly, which Many of you probably do. She is both a certified conscious parenting coach and certified family wellness coach who helps parents worldwide break generational cycles to fill their homes with more compassion, calm, and joy. She is the founder of Raising Yourself, the creator of the Connected Kid Toolkit, which I absolutely love. Our family absolutely loves it and the community builder of 400,000 besties across all of her social media platforms. She's been featured on numerous podcasts and TV interviews by platforms such as Good News LA, Go Zen, Raised Good, and Mind Valley. When she's not cheering on parents to become more deeply connected with their kids, you can find her in the kitchen baking with her two children, sneaking in a game of ping pong with her husband, or releasing stress at her weekly boxing class. She's also a coffee enthusiast, which we know I appreciate, a neuro spicy mama who believes firmly in the power of Taco Tuesdays no matter what. And you can learn so much more about Shelly, all the incredible work that she's up to by visiting her website, ShellyRobinson.com and snagging her transformational free 10-day guide entitled The Ultimate Guide to Less Yelling and More Compassion, which we all need. I'm so excited to have you here, Shelly. And I think that I also want to note your handle on Instagram. Well, one, because anyone who's not following you is going to want to follow you, but also because of what it is, raising yourself. And one of my favorite things about you and your approach to parenting is that it has such a focus on the need for parenting ourselves and for the healing work that so many of us crave and need for our inner children. And it's so beautiful how you are approaching parenting in this way. It's really revolutionary. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll tell you, it took me a really long time to understand that. I didn't have my first child 13 years ago and think, gosh, I sure do need to reparent myself. It took a lot of 
pain and frustration and overwhelm to finally kind of arrive at that conclusion. Like after having so many of my own adult tantrums, I was like, maybe there's something I need to be working on deeper than just kind of the, you know, death grip on the steering wheel, trying not to yell, using, relying on my willpower. Like it goes deeper than that, but it took me a really long time to understand that. So I'm just sharing that because if that's kind of where you are in your journey, that's exactly where you need to be. And I think, I hope this conversation just really normalizes that. Well, it's already doing that because something that you just shared, I think is going to be very relieving for so many people listening, which is the fact that you just said when you had your first child 13 years ago, you had not already done all of this reparenting work within yourself. You were not ready like 100% to be the parent who you are today, right? You didn't have all of the skills. You didn't have all of um, the tools in your toolkit and you didn't hit the ground running day one of parenthood in this way. And I didn't either. And I think for me, what has brought up uh, so much pain for me in parenthood is learning these tools and these skills, doing some of this deeper reparenting work that I didn't even realize I had to do because I thought I had already done it. Right. And then reflecting back on the early days and feeling like, oh my gosh, I wish I had known then what I know now, or I wish I had had those tools or those skills then that I have now. And I think that something that is so important is forgiving ourselves, maybe for things that we did in the past that we have since learned that we want to do differently. And I think this is such a big part of most people's parenting journeys. Right. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And I think when I think about, gosh, I wish I would have done things differently 13, 12, 11 years ago, I couldn't have because it was those very conflicts that I needed to be a part of to kind of unearth that the wounds that I needed to heal. Right. And so many people say, well, gosh, I don't want to have kids until I've healed all my wounds. And on the one hand, I absolutely applaud that. Like, I love that people are trying to get a head start on this work, but on the other hand, we can't completely know what our wounds are until our beautiful, wise, dysregulated children <laughs> bring them to the surface, you know, just by existing. And yes, <laughs> purpose, right? like they're not doing it on purpose to like make us mad. Right. And I say that all the time in my community that no one, they're not coming at us with any malice. They're just being who they are. And it's up to us to decide how our reactions or our responses reflect the work that we need to do inside. And it's humbling. And I say, every time I get on a podcast or anytime anyone says, what do you think about when you think about parenting or reparenting yourself? And the one word that comes to mind is humility. Yes. You know, Yes, absolutely. I would love to read the question that came in from one of our listeners uh, okay. that we're going to be diving into in today's episode. And I think that humility will be a core theme in the conversation around this. She writes in, I've overcome perfectionism as it relates to food, body, and movement, but where I'm seeing it crop up in my life now is motherhood. 
I have two toddlers and I often find myself striving to be the best mom ever. From being a pro at handling tantrums to designing age-appropriate activities to nailing what to feed a picky eater. How can I feel more at ease with how I'm doing motherhood and all of its ups and downs? Hmm. I love that question. Thank you for reading that. So the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that, what what I would invite that person to get a little bit curious about, because I've had to ask myself this question, is what does it mean to you to make a mistake? Because that's something we learned decades ago. Whether our parents wired in a positive association with that or maybe a negative one, it was wired in, or maybe it was wired in within a school system or, you know, any other institution where children exist. We began to make meaning at a really young age about what it meant to make a mistake. And in order to unlearn that, when it comes to raising kids, we have to be able to link that and say, gosh, when I make a mistake, and this is all probably unconscious, right? So our job is to kind of like, we're digging up, we're kicking up this emotional dirt and it's hard. So we've got to be really gentle with ourselves. But when I make a mistake, at some point I learned that I was, I'm putting this in quotes, bad. I'm naughty. Maybe that resulted in me, uh, my parents withdrawing affection. Maybe I was punished, but the odds are there was a negative association with making mistake. And so as adults, thankfully, and you, you know this, like our brains are neuroplastic. And so they have the ability to change, which is amazing. It takes time, right? But we can start relearning and rewiring a new narrative into our brain about what it means to make mistakes as a parent. So it's an opportunity to say, well, gosh, what would I tell my child if they made a mistake? It just means you're still learning or it means there's an opportunity to grow. And so it's where this is also interconnected, right? Like we want to tell our children that, but we struggle to tell ourselves that, right? We say, oh my gosh, honey, it's okay that you fell off the bike or that you spilled the milk. But then you burn dinner and you're like, what an idiot. What is wrong with me? Why can't I get anything right? Or, you know, you yell at your kid, gosh, I'm never going to change. So we're trying to link up how we want to speak to our children with how we speak to ourselves. I had a child therapist tell me who we were working with. She shared that one great way to reduce anxiety in kids around perfectionism, right? Is to let them witness you making mistakes and verbally process out loud the mistake that you made and how you're going to move forward through it. And so she said, she's like, it doesn't have to be, you know, a really big mistake. It can be little things. You could be making eggs in the morning and even if you have to make up a mistake, right? Like where you're practicing this, like create these opportunities. You crack an egg and you say, oops, I made a mistake. Some of the shell of the egg just dropped down in there. What could I do? Oh, I'm going to go get a spoon and dig it out. Like everything's going to work out. Okay. Mistakes happen. And literally bring kids into your own process where they're able to see that happening. And I thought that was so helpful where it's not just about how we're talking to kids about their mistakes, but it's also how we're showing them that we process our own. And then I think the bigger 
mistakes for me, the mistakes that feel bigger for me. I'm sure everyone has their own baggage around different things or, you know, different things that feel loaded or triggering for them. But for me, when I interact with my kid in a way that I'm not proud of, so Mm -hmm. I'm trying to stay calm, trying to stay present. I'm trying to stay regulated. And then I get to a place where I get short or I get snippy and I'm not saying this is better or worse. I'm not personally someone who yells, but Mm -hmm. I get really short and snippy. And so that's how I respond in those moments. And I'll get like that with them, get really frustrated. And then afterwards I think, wow, I really wish that I had handled that differently. And it's been really healing for me to be able to acknowledge that it's helpful for them when I do that and then apologize and acknowledge like how I did that wrong and show them that in relationships, things don't have to always be perfect, but we can, we can repair through that. And I think being able to see those things as character building and giving them a different and maybe even healthier lens on relationships for later on in life, that that can be really powerful and has helped me to take a little bit of the pressure off of myself to always get it right because I can't. Right. Right. And when you take that pressure off of yourself, often it's the pressure that leads to our mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. It's to be relaxed in a relationship when we're putting this really un, you know, like attainable pressure on ourselves. That's the very thing that causes us to kind of be short and snippy and yell. It's that pressure. Um, but I would love to share a story about me making a mistake. It wasn't a, a parenting mistake per se, but I want to share with your community, how our kids are always watching and listening. So I was hanging up. I, I'm looking at all of your artwork behind you, Simi, and it made me think of this. I have a wall in our kitchen and I was hanging all my daughter's artwork up in there. And I wanted to put it in pretty black frames. I mean, they were paper. So I was taping them up there in a way that I thought wasn't going to leave any marks. And we had to take it down one day. (laughs) That that did not happen. I accidentally used this not so safe wall tape. It said it was safe, but it wasn't. And as I was putting the frames up there, I just had this bad feeling that this tape didn't belong on the wall. So I started peeling it back a little bit. And I was like, oh my goodness the drywall started ripping off. Oh my goodness. And I was home by myself that day. And I was just enjoying this time. And I was just like relaxing. And then all of a sudden I noticed I was doing this. And what first came up for me was shame. I did have, I noticed right away. I was like, gosh, what an, I thought what an idiot to myself. And I know that's not productive, but I caught myself and that's the difference. And I think it's important to note that you don't necessarily always eradicate that inner critic, but you catch it a lot sooner and you, you know, you can replace it with something else. Like, well, gosh, it did say wall safe and you weren't doing this on purpose. And it was, you know, you didn't plan for this to happen. So anyway, I had probably already hung a dozen pictures and my kids came home and saw it. And I was like, I can't believe I did that. And I was kind of, normally I don't do this to myself in front of them, but in that moment, I felt so bad about it. And I was so frustrated. I was kind of like down on myself. And I said, I cannot believe I did that. Like, you know, I, I wasn't paying attention or something, you know, I was kind of speaking down to myself and my 13 year old son, who I've been modeling this in front of for probably a decade now, he like put his little hand on my shoulder and he was like, mom, you're allowed to make mistakes. Like, it's okay. 
And I literally almost burst into tears because it's not his job to reassure me. First of all, I just want to say that, but I think he's old enough and he's heard that from me enough now that it was kind of his turn to reassure me that like, yeah, we, we make mistakes and no one's upset with you. And it's just really cool how it comes full circle and they, they can, you know, offer us that and know that it is okay to make a mistake and that we're creating a culture of just celebrating when we fail in our family. One of the most beautiful things about that moment that you just shared to me is that he believes that he believes it is okay to make mistakes. And you can tell that that is deeply rooted in his belief system because of the work that you've done within yourself and because of what you've modeled to him. And I think that that's such an amazing thing when you see your child independently expressing something that you, you know, hoped that they would internalize and that you've worked to help them internalize. And then to see that play out in real time is so beautiful. It really is. And, you know, it can apply to something as, um, you know, non-dramatic that moment felt a little dramatic for me, but when my kids are working on schoolwork or they're learning to, you know, figure out a new skill, I'm always saying to them, you literally cannot learn without making a mistake. And it would be really boring if you weren't, you know, fumbling a little bit, there would be no challenge. So we're always trying to find that like Goldilocks, just right amount of challenge, whether that's in school or building their communication skills or conflict resolution, but learning those new things is going to come with mistakes. So all of the parents out there who are trying to create these new patterns in their own families or who are breaking cycles, like if we're reflecting on our mistakes and repairing with our kids, when we make them that's truly part of the equation. You cannot get through this work and through this parenting journey without, without messing up a little bit. Absolutely. Doing it right. No one is doing it right. (laughs) Perfectly. You know? Yes. You mentioned, you know, unattainable expectations, you know, as parents, like we may have unattainable expectations or unrealistic expectations. When I think about the listener's question and I think about, you know, that kind of side by side with unattainable expectations or unrealistic expectations, how would someone or how would you figure out if the expectations that you have for yourself are unrealistic or realistic, or is it your perspective? Like, well, we just, you know, expectations in general are not helpful, or is there a way that they can be helpful? Because I think about in this question when she's talking about, okay, I want to be like a pro at handling tantrums and I want to design these age appropriate activities and I want to be able to like really nail feeding a picky eater. And I'm sure every parent, like I'm sort of out of the toddler phase now, but I have my, you know, I've got my own list of things that I am skills that I am actively working on building Mm -hmm. so that I can be the best supporter of my, of my children and really help them to, to thrive. How do we reflect on if those things are realistic versus unrealistic, or what is it like to have, you know, like a healthy relationship with expectations from your perspective? Yeah, gosh, that's such a good question. And I think when I hear that question, I feel compelled to zoom out a little bit 
And again, I, I end up asking a lot of questions before we answer these, which is, what does it mean to this person to be able to do those things? Are you then, are you then feeling worthy? Like you've nailed the picky eater eating and you've, you've figured out the perfect activities and I'm putting perfect in quotes is, are you then what, what's the end game, right? Are you like, then I'm worthy. Then I'm finding emotional safety. Then I'm enough. And so what we have to do as parents is back way out and say, this is, and we're building this foundation. So if we're like thinking about our family or ourselves as a garden, this is like the soil. This is what matters the most is to know like deep in your heart that you are worthy, whether you do any of that stuff or not, you are enough, whether you do any of that stuff or not. And so to me, it's less about like, am I checking these boxes of things that I really want to do that I think means I'm a really good parent, or am I just staying aligned to my values and constantly offering myself self-compassion when I steer out of the you know, steer out of direction a little bit. So to me, it's more about values alignment because as our kids grow, those things about what we think it means to be a good parent are going to change, right? Um, It's more about, are we sticking to our values? Are we staying authentic? And are we repairing when we're outside of those things? Hi, I'm Simi, your host of the Unmeasured Podcast. I'm also a mindset mentor, intuitive eating counselor, health and life coach, founder of the Unmeasured Movement membership, and author of Letting Go of Leo, How I Broke Up with Perfection. Consider me your personal architect, helping you to build the relationship with yourself that you know in the deepest part of your being you are meant to experience. That's why I created my six-month private coaching and mentorship program. In this program, I'll work with you one-on-one to help you tap into your wisdom, align with your values, heal your relationship with food and movement, embrace your body, release perfectionism, cultivate deep self-trust, turn up the self-compassion, and live your beautifully imperfect life. If you're ready to experience more peace, pleasure, presence, and purpose in your life, I'd love to support you to do that. Your six-month coaching and mentorship program is completely personalized support, coaching, guidance, and mentorship. This program includes 12 private coaching sessions and between-session support, so you'll truly feel held every step of the way. To learn more about this one-on-one experience, read client stories, and request a consultation, head to simibodich.com backslash coaching. I'm here to help you build the relationship with yourself you truly deserve. I can't wait to connect. Yeah, I, I love, I love that. I love the values alignment piece. And I also think that I'm reflecting on something you shared about with your kids, how as you're helping them to learn new skills, Mm -hmm. there's an awareness that being challenged and making mistakes is part of the learning process. And when I think about unhealthy or unrealistic expectations, it's typically me wanting to check a box perfectly Mm -hmm. rather than me really wanting to be in the learning process. And so with parenting, I've really had to shift my mindset from this is this is a box that i need to check perfectly you know whatever 
whatever it might be at any of the different phases of parenting. And I feel like at this point now I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. I'm like, wow, it's wild to think I've been a parent for seven years. Like we've gone through a lot of different phases. And rather than feeling like I need to check this box perfectly and do this perfectly and I want this to be some sort of like badge of honor that I am a good mom. Yes. Boiling it down more to like, what is the skill that I'm trying to develop here? And when Mm -hmm. I think about developing any skill outside of parenting, because if there's, if parenting is feeling really important, then I always think it's charge, right? Just like when I was working on releasing perfectionism around food, my relationship with food felt really charged. There was a lot going on there. And sometimes it helped to have examples that were non-food examples that I could look at unemotionally and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense there. And I think about if I'm trying to build, um, you know, the skill of like speaking a new language, I'm going to expect that I'm going to be confused sometimes I'm going to say it wrong sometimes. I'm going to have like a headache from overthinking sometimes like that there's going to be those challenges along the way. And that's to be expected. How else am I going to learn how to speak this other language? And so I think getting into that growth mindset with some of these parenting things and from my perspective, that's only possible when you remind yourself like, There are no perfect parents. Take the pressure off to be a perfect parent because in our house, we went through, uh, in the last year, we went through a diagnosis process for ADHD and number one, incredibly liberating to just have a deeper understanding for my kiddo and to say, now we know how to move forward and how to build the right tools and Like we know that we need to do some things differently. Right. And I also felt like I was drinking from a fire hose because this for me was where the perfectionism and parenting really showed up because I just had this urgency that there is no time. I need Mm -hmm. to figure this out now and I need to do this right now because my kid is counting on me. And, you know, we're their advocates and we're the ones who are really like driving the process for them as children. And I felt like I was suffocating between Mm. the pressure to want to know it all and do it all perfectly and the feeling that there was no time to learn. Mm. And it just felt like, you know, like the walls were closing in. And I really had to do some, some of my own work around It's okay if you don't know it all right now. And if you can't do it all perfectly, there is time to figure this out. And that is part of the process. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that with parenting where you, it feels like there isn't a runway to learn because you just want to get it right for your kids, like right there in the moment. Right. Great. I think what you're bringing up what comes to mind for me is that emergency feeling that you're describing is usually linked to things when, when they feel performative, right? Like when we've got to check the box, 
versus that intrinsic, like, I'm going to stay true to my values. I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to take this slow. I'm going to trust my child. Like that's all like that inside work. Right. And when it starts to become performative, like I'm going to check this box of making sure I have all the information. It's kind of that scarcity mindset, right? If I don't have all the information and if I don't understand this within 48 hours, then, then you start catastrophizing. Right. And that's when we're kind of extrinsically motivated, which means we're doing it for like other people. And maybe in this case, it wasn't for other people, but it was like this box you were checking. Like if I consume all the knowledge and I understand this within this really wild time frame, then it's that if then, then I'm a good mom. But you were already a good mom and you were already capable. And so if we can remove that like kind of performance feeling and, you know, I had that a lot around food too. Like if I stayed under this many calories during a day, and if I exercised enough, then I'm good enough, right? Then I'm skinny enough or whatever thoughts I was having back when I was on learning all of my, um, my food issues. So, you know, a lot of that applies to parenting as well. It's like, we got to do, it's the inside work. How do we feel about this on the inside? Are we feeling good about it? Are we staying true to our values? are we giving ourselves grace? Then you are on the right track. And there's no perfect formula for that. And that's, what's overwhelming about parenting is because it looks a little bit different for each of us, because we do all have slightly different values, but if we can stay in alignment with those, then that's really, that's really what keeps us grounded and keeps us heading forward and not worrying about what other people think about how we're parenting. Yes to the intrinsic versus like external experiences Mm -hmm. there. And you shared something that I think is so powerful, which is, you know, when we're not worried about what other people think about our parenting and we can really connect inward, trust ourselves, trust our child. And I am confident that so many people listening are thinking, but it's really hard when I feel like people around me are judging me or maybe are judging my kid. Oh. And I and I think to the point that you made earlier around what is this really about? Like feeling safe, feeling worthy, yeah. feeling loved. We may have those, you know, deep desires slash wounds in ourselves. But I think it's also really common to project those onto our children too, right? Where it's like, I want them to feel safe. I want them to feel loved. I want them to feel like they are enough. And so all of a sudden I'm thinking about them through the lens of how other people are experiencing them. And I want to try to control how other people are experiencing them because I want to protect them from judgment or rejection or whatever it is that we're, you know, as adults feel really afraid of. And how do you love to support people that you work with? Or how do you process through this, you know, within yourself, Mm -hmm. letting go of the fear of judgment from other people, or maybe not letting go of the fear, but just dealing with it or processing through it? Like, what are the ways that you found that can be really helpful for that. Because I I also think that that's a big part of how the perfectionism comes up is this fear of what other people will think. And I know that you talk about that so much and in such beautiful ways. 
Yeah. You know, I, I get it. First of all, I mean, the judgment, the adult, you know, gaze at our parenting and at our children, if they're doing things that other adults don't expect them to be doing or think they should be doing really used to hurt my feelings and make me feel very defensive. But since I've done this work and since I've been just really, you know, connecting with the younger version of myself, my inner child, I now know that when people are judging me, it's just a reflection of how much they judge themselves. And that doesn't, yes, mean, <laughs> it doesn't mean the sting goes away completely and I'm guilty of it. I'm not, you know, I'm far from perfect. So do I, do I catch myself judging other people or even judging my own children? Sure. And then immediately though, that's the difference. I catch myself and oh, by the way, that day I have been just berating myself all day. I've been extra judgmental about myself for whatever reason. And so the way I see other people, and even when I get really rude comments on my posts and, you know, really judgmental or unkind comments, um, I used to get really defensive about that, but now I just am like, that's really a reflection on the person and how much they're judging themselves. And that's not my problem to solve. You just start responding to every one of those comments with a mirror emoji. (laughs) Yeah. Like, or, you know, like here's an invitation to connect with little you. And I don't mean that, like, I truly, really, you know, but it, it takes time to, it takes time to get to that realization. Like, gosh, how I am seeing and perceiving other people is really a reflection of how I see and perceive myself. And so that's why we have to make it a priority to make sure we're ensuring that our children feel safe and validated about who they are. And as long as we're not worrying about what other people think, they're not going to worry about what other people think. They pick up on the energy. We don't even have to say it out loud. They know, like, you know, if we're in a grocery store and they're melting down and we're unruffled and we're like, we've got this, this is normal. This is developmentally appropriate. I'm going to handle it. I'm not going to worry about the stairs. They pick up on that sturdiness and that calm and that non-judgment from us. Right. And they know it's okay to be human. They are so good at tuning into the energy. It is wild. It It is is so amazing. And Mm -hmm. it has given me so much respect for my younger self because as someone who relates with the the terminology like highly sensitive, I think about how as a little kid, I – felt so sensitive to Mm -hmm. energy around me and like I could really feel it as if it was my own and because of that developed like hyper vigilance yes and and anxious behaviors because I was I constantly felt like just a sponge for everything around me Mm -hmm. and now seeing like seeing my children be so sensitive or just picking up on little little mm-hmm. things like this morning, I, um, I looked at something <laughs> on my phone and with everyone was getting ready for school. I thought they were in the other room. Tim was doing, you know, shoes and jackets. And I looked at something on my phone and I just took a deep breath. And all of a sudden Yazzie pops her head around the corner and she goes, what's going on, mama? <laughs> Right, right. He said, I'm just taking a deep breath. I'm just calming my body. And she yeah. was like, oh, okay. I love that. And I love that you're just normalizing. Like I had a big feeling and here's what I did about it. Instead of saying nothing, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Right. Because kids are on the receiving end of that, like funnier business. Like 
It's, and so you just normalized it and said, I had a big feeling and I took a deep breath. And I will also say about the nothing, don't worry about it or everything's fine. I think when you are a child who is attuned to energy, which many of the adults listening to this are probably like, yes, that was me. And Mm -hmm. I think probably true of most kids, but I don't know. If you were a child who was attuned to energy and you sensed something was going on and then you constantly heard nothing is going on, it creates this feeling of, am I losing my mind? Me. Can I trust myself or can I trust what I'm sensing? Is this real or imagined? And I think that it creates a disconnect and not that everything is age appropriate for kids to understand. Yeah. But I think to be able to say like, I'm calming my body, I'm taking a deep breath. Like we're having a conversation and we're figuring something out. Uh, Sometimes adults do that. Like, you know, things like that, where you can find age appropriate ways to share those things with kids. I think it helps kids to know what I'm sensing or what I'm feeling. Like I can, I can trust my body and I can trust what I'm feeling and I can trust what I'm sensing in ways that feel like supportive and age appropriate. Right. And I think by doing that, we are helping them to adopt at such a young age, healthy coping mechanisms for those hard feelings. Because I know for me, like you growing up, everything was just this barrage of just like feeling all the things and noticing everyone's energy and not knowing what to do with that. And so later in life, as I grew up, I just, I started adopting unhealthy ways to cope with that. Right. Including other things. And so it was too much. And of course, back then I thought those unhealthy ways of coping with all my feelings made me a bad person, right? Like made me a bad kid, but really it made me a sensitive kid who didn't have any other tools. I didn't have access or knowledge of any other tools that I could have used to deal with all the big feelings I always felt as a sensitive kid. And so I think it's so important to normalize that as parents, we're not robots and we're not happy all the time. And when we're not happy and when we're frustrated and overwhelmed, what are we doing to get back to baseline, right? We're saying it out loud. We're naming the feeling like, gosh, I'm frustrated right now. And then what are we going to do about it? I'm going to go sit in my chair and like meditate. I'm going to go for a walk instead of, you know, doing what I used to do, which was numbing my feelings with whatever was, you know, readily available to me. Yeah. So it's just, it's such an important thing to wire into them. And, you know, your story about, you know, your kiddo picking up on your energy. Like I had a bit of a fiasco with my toolkit, like some cards came and they were incorrect. And I was like a little overwhelmed and upset. And I didn't mean to do this. It's amazing what we do as parents that like we turn into like our little five-year-old selves. I was kind of stomping around the kitchen, (laughs) like muttering to myself and my son, like two rooms over was like, mom, what's going on? He's like, are you okay? And just like you said, they just know. And of course I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize I was like, he's like, are you stomping? (laughs) But it was like, (laughs) but I want him to always just feel like he can say, what are like, what is going on with you? And I will say, I'm frustrated. And here's why. And in this case, it was a perfectly age appropriate thing to share with him. He asked me how he could help. And then you know, I went for a walk and that was it. Instead of just brushing them off and saying nothing, or it's none of your business. It's just that constant, like, you know, modeling what it looks like to be a human. And it also gives our kids permission to be grumpy and, you know, 
overwhelmed. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense that you would feel like that because this happened. And it's just making sense of ourselves and helping them to make sense of their selves so they don't feel so alone in their feelings. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. You mentioned the importance, obviously, of reparenting yourself and connecting with the younger version of yourself. What are some of your favorite ways to like connect with that, with that inner child, with that younger version of yourself? Do you have like practices that you do or what does that look like for you? So I love connecting with little me in ways that I, in ways that brought me joy when I was little, when I was a little kid. And so for me, those two big things are music and movement. So if I'm moving my body and I'm listening to my favorite tunes, I feel five again. And that's like how I find my true essence. And that's when I feel most at home and my body. So that's one way. Another way though, is when I do make mistakes and when I do, um, you know, mess up as a parent, little me comes up and the shame comes up, you know, and I'll tell you like with that, the drywall that I ruined and that I'm in the process of repairing, or for instance, not long ago, I had a library book that was late. It was really late. And I got an email from the library saying, um, you know, we're going to like revoke your account. And it, it felt a little threatening to me. And like little Shelly felt really ashamed of that. Like I was in trouble and I'm still on learning that. I feel like I'm in trouble a lot. And so it's in those little micro moments every single day that you say little you, it's okay. You're allowed to make a mistake. You didn't do it on purpose and you can repair this. And it's just, so it can be just those daily little practices when that shame and inner critic creeps up based on what you learned about making mistakes as a kid. And you can kind of picture this in your mind, like your, you know, current self as a parent talks to little you as if she's right there with you and you're reassuring her inside that it's okay. And that you're telling her the things that she needed to hear back then. And that's where that rewiring in your brain happens and you do it over and over again. And eventually you get to have a new script up there. It's really powerful to think about what follows from that, you know, small moment of rewiring as well. So to think about, you know, opening the email, seeing, I'm, I'm like, I can picture the email because I've totally gotten one from the library. You yeah. see that, you see that email about the book. That's like way overdue where I'm like, I don't ever even remember that book coming to our house, but we're going to have to do some deep digging to find it. You see that email, you have that feeling of, oh no, I'm did something wrong and I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And you feel that shame. And if you go down the path of berating yourself and, you know, beating yourself up and saying like, you are bad, you did something bad. And you think about how that spirals and how that builds and the energy that that creates and the way you feel in your, in your body, when that's the, the internal experience that you're having, like, I know for me, it will almost feel like my skin's electric. You know, it's like, you can yeah. sense that. And then your kid walks through the door and your internal experience impacts the interaction that you have with them, even if you don't intend it to, or you open up that email and you, you have that thought of like, I did something wrong. I'm getting in trouble. I feel the shame. And you're like, wait a second, I'm going to take this moment to reparent myself and I'm going to bring in this 
this truth, this reality that everybody makes mistakes. It's okay to make a mistake and we can repair this. And it's a totally different experience that you have in your mind, in your body, in your energy. And then you move forward through your day with that. And then your kid walks through the door and you meet them in a really different way. And I just think it's so powerful to think about the ripple effects that these small moments of offering ourselves compassion can have, like it just cannot be understated and we're not going to do it perfectly. It's not going to happen all the time, but also when it doesn't happen perfectly, we, we have another chance to do the reparent thing and to do the repair thing. And it's just, I think it's so amazing to see how it all compounds right in a, in a positive way. Right. Right. And I, you know, I always say, I feel like what you said, it was so beautiful. And like, when I, when I really have to distill it down to like a sentence, just to keep, sometimes I like having really handy, um, little affirmations in my mind when I'm about to lose it. And one of the things I think about is like, we cannot be gentle with our kids when we are at war with ourselves. It just doesn't work. So it's, you know, it's about giving ourselves what we needed when we were younger. That's not to say our parents did a horrible job, right? Like multiple things can be true at once. They could have done a really great job in a lot of ways. And in a couple of ways, we we have a couple of wounds that we have to heal, but we have to give ourselves what we needed when we are, we're younger so that we can extend that to our kids. And, you know, another thing I hear a lot about in my community and that I experience when it comes to reparenting yourself is using your voice, which we often are afraid to do as perfectionists, because what if we say the wrong thing? What if we do the wrong thing? And I think for me, you know, if you didn't have much of a voice as a child, meaning your opinion didn't matter, you were never allowed to give input, you couldn't offer a different point of view with your parents, then as an adult, when your child does that, like, God forbid, they backtalk or they disagree with you, that trigger is like, so it's so hard because little you comes to the surface and says, I wasn't allowed to do that. How, who do you think you are? backtalking me or sassing me or disagreeing with me. And so in those moments, again, you have to pause and it can be really quick because when you're interacting with your kid, you can't have a whole session. Right. But it's like, you're reassuring little you, like you deserve that too. You deserve that. Your kid's allowed to do this. This is appropriate. And this is mutually respectful. And you should have had that too. I love that. You should have had that too. That's such a beautiful thing to offer. And it's, it's true. And I think so many of us are afraid to use our voices because it was, our voices were met with shame or oppression. And so we, how do we, so how do we repair that? How do we reparent ourselves if we were raised that way? And part of it is disagreeing with someone you might disagree with, laying down a boundary, using your voice to change the world. You know, I mean, even when I started my raising yourself page, that for me, was a way I reparented myself because I started using my voice and it was scary and I didn't always use it perfectly. And I still don't use it perfectly, but it was, it's been healing. It's been a really healing opportunity for me. And it's because every time I post something, I say my voice matters and everyone's voice matters in my community. And they should have had that too. Absolutely. Everything you share really is so healing what do you feel like has been your favorite part of parenting so far? 
now that you are on, you know, this continual path of reparenting yourself, like what are, what's your favorite part of parenting or what are your favorite parts of, of parenting? Gosh, I, I love witnessing my kids wisdom. They're so wise. And I think I appreciate that so much more now because 13 years ago when I had my first kid, I thought I was the really wise one. Honestly, like I was very much leading with ego and thinking about how much wisdom I would impart and what I was going to teach them. And I'm not saying I haven't taught them nothing, but it was really very focused on like what I was going to pass down to them. And now 13 years later, I'm kind of sitting back saying, gosh, they're good teachers. I had no idea what was in store for me. Like it brings, like it's making me teary eyed because it's, it feels like magic. Like I learn so many things from them every day and they, I feel like like they're my little life coaches and they're constantly shining lights on things that I'm like, gosh, I have a little bit of a lesson to learn here. And I couldn't have come to that realization without them just being who they are. So it's just really getting to witness that every day. It really is like a little bit of magic. And thank you so much for everything that you do to help all of the parents get to experience a little bit more of that, like their version of that magic with their kiddos. It's truly changing the world. And I just appreciate you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unmeasured Podcast. If you did, I'd love you to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast so that we can reach more people who are looking to live unmeasured. If you're ready for more, come hang with me on Instagram at Cindy Bodich. Sign up for a seven-day free trial of Unmeasured, the virtual bar membership that celebrates your body and never shames it at movementunmeasured.com. Or visit simibodich.com to get my weekly emails and learn more about my coaching and mentorship offerings. Thanks for joining me today. I can't wait to see you next time.